Hello, everyone. I welcome you to The Butterfly Effect, a mental health podcast to help you navigate through adversity and begin your transformative journey to healing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. From anxiety to domestic violence, this podcast will discuss a wide range of mental health topics, hearing real people discuss their raw experiences. Because this podcast touches on sensitive topics, listener discretion is advised, and the information that is provided is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing any mental health symptoms while listening, I encourage you to contact somebody that you trust or a mental health provider in your community. So, without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Butterfly Effect podcast. My name is Queen Shimoniak, and I welcome you to this week's episode. I hope all of you guys had an amazing week and you enjoyed my previous episode featuring AKH Fitness titled Growing Together. If you love and support my podcast, don't forget to share with your family and friends, as well as follow me on my Instagram at the Butterfly Effect Podcast underscore. And if you would like to be on a future episode or give me any ideas, you can email me at thebutterflyeffectpdct at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to make a small donation to help contribute to future episodes, my cash app is in the link in the description box. So without further ado, everybody, let's get started. Hello, everybody. So I am super excited because today is going to be a different type of episode. I'm here with my best friend, Cassie, and she's currently doing my nails. So (laughs) we're basically going to have a very chill sit down, talk about womanhood, talk about our friendship and share our wisdom with all of you out there. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Cassie. I'm super excited to be here, honestly. I just have wanted to be on this podcast for so long, <laughs> like, since she first started it. Man, the inception. I know. The inception. I was there through all of it. She was, OG, like, when OG I was, listener. when I, right, you were, <laughs> because when I was starting and trying to come up with content and even a logo design, you've been there throughout that whole process. I just remember sending you like the actual official photo, like the name and everything. You're just like freaking out. Dude, I was super excited about it. I don't think you understand. She has, like, at first I knew she had the voice for it. Sometimes. Sometimes I have the voice for it. (laughs) I swear. Like, I just, just the super soothing and then the the topic just matched. Yeah. It just, it made sense. So. I mean, I love mental health. You know me. I've always loved helping people and you know from studying my experiences and going through my healing journey we both have gone through our own healing journey you know like, <laughs> yeah and being able to like take a step back and grow with myself and allow myself to grow i feel like has been the most rewarding thing about me starting my podcast to begin with yeah. like oh i'm ready i'm ready to talk about my experiences i'm ready to allow other people to talk about their experiences and just you know enjoy 
the journey, I guess. Right. And now I'm, I guess I'm ready to talk about my experiences too. <laughs> right. So this should be really fun. I'm super excited to kind of share what I do know. I don't know much. But <laughs> you know a lot. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, I, I'm just. I've learned a lot from you. If there's something I can contribute, I will. Um, I've learned a lot from you. Well, we learned a lot from each other. I've learned a lot from you, man. You have taught me about maturity. <laughs> <laughs> we've no okay, so we met for everybody. We met in college, 2016. 2016 freshman year. <laughs> we were babies. Uh, we're in the same dorm. Um, we, do we say we we went to you know UNT Victory Hall? <laughs> like <laughs> anybody else? Okay, I. Might as well. I mean, I say I'm from Dallas, and I talk about UNT too. So okay. we both went to the University of North Texas. She was a chem major at the time, <laughs> which we both laugh about to this day. To this day, man, I just wanted to impress my parents. You know, oh, I can do something useful. Uh huh. If it wasn't a STEM, you know, That's focus, true. then it wasn't really a real, you know, degree. So I was like, you know what? Let me just do chemistry like my dad. Kind of follow my dad's footsteps. Yeah. And the whole time, I didn't like what my dad did. <laughs> you're like, in reality, you're good at it, though. Yeah, I mean. But I remember when you took that chem class. Oh, God. There were so many, like, experiments that I was really. I mean, I got into that research group. Oh, that's right. You yeah, did. And I was really, like, I, it was in there when I realized I cannot do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I think know. also, I remember you that day that you told me. Queen, I'm not a chem major anymore. I was like, <laughs> what? Because basically, I just remember you telling me you went to that group and you heard a bunch of like the other STEM majors bashing social science majors yeah. and other majors. Man, um, the psychology majors, sociology, they did not take them seriously. They're just like, oh, fake, fake science. You know? Oh my gosh. And I was just like, you think chemistry is the only thing that people care about? Right. <laughs> is that all you care about? Yeah. I mean, we're not bashing on, you know, STEM majors. Just don't bash on social, sci- yeah. social sciences, okay? They're real. And they matter. They do matter. They matter so Hence much. Hence this podcast. <laughs> okay. Hello? Hello. So, I mean, aside from us, oh, she she dropped a little Drop acrylic, a acrylic bead. <laughs> so... I mean, in college at the time, where do you feel like you were mentally, like, with everything? I was definitely lost. I didn't, I knew college wasn't for me very early. Like, I kind of knew that I was not, I wouldn't say not meant for college, but it was just too early for me to start college. I knew that very, very soon after um, getting moved in and everything, like, Maybe I just jumped the gun on this, but I'm super glad that I did. I met you, you know, <laughs> I met all the people that I met. I was, you know, I kind of made the best out of my situation, but I was mentally just like, oh, I'm free. Like, yeah. I'm free now. I can like do whatever I want. I'm with mm-hmm. my parents, you know, um, and I did just that. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah, I did you- what every other college kid did. Right. Yeah, you get caught up in the in, in the, the lifestyle. In the lifestyle of college. And I feel like a lot of people don't make a big deal about that mm-hmm. or don't think it's a real thing. I mean, for me, I mean everyone falls into their own pattern of what they do in college. Some people party all the time, some people like completely dissociate. Mm-hmm. And then some people just end up blossoming but then realize, you know, college's not for me and they find their actual passion. And so essentially that's what happened to me. Yeah. Like, 
Um, well, I, all the above. <laughs> and, <laughs> all the above. All the above. But <laughs> it definitely, like, at one point, I was just like, you know what? I have a lot of talent. I have a lot that I could do outside of college. Mm-hmm. Let me just kind of go and see what happens. And, um, and you know, Planet Jade happened. And- yes, guys. So she has her own business, which I am so proud of her for finally doing after all of this time. Thank guys, you. she started doing my nails in the common area of our dorm. I remember yeah. because that day we went <laughs> like – and. She just got some kit from Sally's and yeah. started just doing my nails this like blue electric blue color. I remember that. I remember that yeah. so vividly. Yeah. It was my first acrylic set too. <laughs> <laughs> it was super bad, you know. Um, there is obviously Sally's products and things, so it wasn't quality. They popped off. Yeah. But she was still super ready for me to do these like super bad nails on her. <laughs> And it was the experience, man. Like, I just feel like you found your destiny because from there. I, because people started hitting you up for nails. Like, they either knew you did hair, nails, or art. Like, you're always yeah. doing something artsy. Yeah. Like, they're always, and I've always, for the longest time, I always knew that you were going to do your own thing, have your own business, be your own boss. And oh. I feel like you having to go to UNT had to make you have that realization. And some yeah. people never have the courage to say, hey, like, this really isn't for me, but they give up right after college. So I thought I would – actually, you know, I didn't have a moment where I thought I was going to give up. Mm-hmm. And, like – because I didn't think I could really do or make a career out of anything I was doing creatively. Yeah. So I just kind of believed that, you know, because I went to college for a reason. I wanted to be in a STEM major and impress my parents and everything like that. But – it was genuinely because I didn't think I could make a career out of this stuff. I was always told that nobody makes money off of this. Mm-hmm. You're going to be struggling. You're going to be, like, begging for food, essentially. Like, <laughs> nobody's nobody's going to want to pay for things like this. And it did really, like, mess up how I value things. Yeah. Um, especially my own work. So, you know, stuff like nails. I'm like, you could do this. Mm-hmm. Like, anybody can do this. I'm like, nobody pays for it. But people are like, what? I'm paying, like... 800 a set. I'm like, like, someone, if you're you know, out there paying 800 a set, sweetie, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk. But, need to you talk. know, people are still paying, spending like 90, 100, you know. They spend money on things that they like. Mm-hmm. And I just did not believe that people would spend money on things that they, like, wanted. Right. And I just really undervalued myself because of, you know, because of, you know, conditioning and being raised to think that these things don't matter. What are you wasting your time for? And then also, you know, I was in that relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was definitely- The men who will not be named. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And relationships could really shape the way that you view yourself completely to the point where when you start to try to, like, dive into the unknown of whatever it is that you want to do, understand your passion, understand, like, where you want to go – Sometimes you also have to take away from things that people have told you, especially in relationships. Man, um, I'm so grateful for the relationship I'm in now because it really taught me that, you know, there are healthy relationships yeah. out there. <laughs> there are healthier relationships. There's so much healthier. Please, if you think you're in a toxic situation, get out. I promise you there's better. Because that was my whole thing when I was in um, when I was in freshman uh 
I guess freshman year of college, when I was there and I was in that relationship with that guy and I was just really thinking like, is there better? Because he made me believe that this is the best I could do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was always, I'm used to settling, Mm -hmm. very used to settling. So that's why, you know, with my own work, I'll settle on like a really low price or like do it for free and things like that, you know? Yeah. And he was, he was the same way. He was like, you know, I'm the package. Yeah. Where are you going to go from here? You know? So I was like, oh. Which is so hilarious. Cause- <laughs> Which is so funny. Because, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, you were stopping me from meeting this guy. Yes. And yeah. I, I saw when I first met you, you had so much spark. I knew you were artistic. And I knew that you were talented. And I, I've seen you you know, go through the variety of the different relationships you've been. And I really do. Shout out to Haki, her boyfriend <laughs> right now. Haki, if you're listening, I love you so much. Dude. But he really <laughs> helped too. you blossom and show you the light that everyone else saw from you. Because yeah. I, 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 like, I watched you grow and just mature to the person that you are to where you can make this business. You can be creative. You can do something and not undermine who you are, not belittle who you are. I like, know. I, it's like, oh, it makes me so, more of my heart. But also, I mean, aside from being in a relationship where someone helps you with that, they help, they don't, it's not like they give it to you. Like, oh, hey, here's your talent. Like, right. You, they show you, like, they just expose you, give you a magnifying glass and say, hey, do you really want to see the Wait, talent you have? Yeah. Do you want to see who you really are? And he never pushed. That was the thing, too, because there were some people who, um, I wouldn't say I was in a relationship, just dating, I guess. Yeah. And I would tell them about stuff that I want to do, and they would try to, like, almost force it to happen right now. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you need to be doing that right now. You're wasting your time working this job. And it's like, I know what you're saying. I understand that you're trying to help, but um, I, I felt like they were trying to put me on a schedule. Like, today you're going to do this, and then tomorrow you're going to do this. Oh, tomorrow, yeah, like micromanaging. Yeah, micromanaging me. I can't. I can't handle that. Oh, <laughs> I no. just can't handle that, man. So we're both the same with that. Like, don't don't push. Yeah, like don't, I will do things on my push. own time. <laughs> don't do push me because <laughs> some sometimes you do need to be pushed, but not in that not that way. Yeah, like, like with the podcast, it it was like if you were telling me, "Hey, I want to start a mental health podcast," and I start listing things that you need to talk about, and I was just like, "Oh well." make sure you do this and that it, the cover has to look like this and mm-hmm. the logo has to look like this. It's like, no, you have to no. be able to like, <laughs> encourage them to pursue it, but let them have the autonomy to create it. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what makes you be attached and love what you do because exactly. instead of following the footsteps of other people mm-hmm. and what they feel like they want you to do to please them. And I think that's really hard, especially mm-hmm. if you've been conditioned and any relationship, any friendship, any connection with somebody and even with yourself where you settled for other people or you were trying to please other people, please their needs, their wants, and try to get their approval all the time Amen. without getting your own first. Like, it's such yeah. a hard lesson, but it's true. You, you get to that point where you say, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm going to be me, do what I want. Exactly. And that's that. If, if something happens, it's on me. And you know, like I'm going myself. And I know there's some people who struggle with that with their parents. Mm-hmm. Man, if y'all got any advice, let me know. <laughs> because I still struggle with trying to find the best way to talk to my parents or like just tell them anything. Really. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really think that they fully understand that this is the the 
the um, direction I want to go in. Right. So I'm still like, ooh, do I just want to come out and say it? Or do I just, you know, let them figure it out? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, I think parents also do help a lot, especially if you don't, I I really do feel for people who don't have any. Yeah. Because at that point, it's like you were really left to the the world Mm -hmm. to, to learn everything. And I was just like, man. Yeah. But at least you don't have to. If we're, if we're gonna look at positives for anything, it's like at least you don't have to talk to your parents about this because like, <laughs> this is hard. This yeah, is really hard. and yeah. I think also, I mean, parents like the relationship you build with them when you're younger drastically changes when you're an adult because they still see you as their baby. They still see you as, and they'll always see you that way. My mom constantly reminds me, like, you're always my baby. And I was like, I love you, mom, but I'm like 23. (laughs) I'm like a big baby now. Like a real grown baby. (laughs) A real grown baby. Okay, a boss baby, if you may. (laughs) And um, sometimes, like, you have to find that common ground to stand up to your parents in a respectful way that not only respects them and you're seeing where they're coming from, but you got to advocate for yourself. You have mm-hmm. to say like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to make it happen. And if you love me, if you believe in me, like you will also believe that it'll happen as well. But if you need proof and you need time, that's on you, but I'm going to keep doing me. And it's so right. hard. Cause like you want your parents to be a part of your journey, but you don't do want it. them to hold you back. Exactly. Like exactly. You don't want them to hold you back because we care about our, pa- our our parents' approval. But man, they will hold you back, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're waiting for their if you're waiting for their go too. If you're waiting yeah. for their say so, because you know, oh, excuse me, <laughs> you're fine. Thank you for the food, by the way. Oh my, I just <laughs> cooked for her. So. <laughs> you're welcome anytime. But um, y'all, she can cook too. She can do everything. I can't juggle. That's the only thing. <laughs> I can't juggle to save my life. I feel okay? like she's a YouTube video away from learning how to juggle. If you're if no, you're I tried. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, I'm sorry. You can still do everything to me. Well, but, that's fine. <laughs> uh, um, I do my best. What are we talking about? Um, parents. Parents. Yes. So yeah, if you're waiting for your parents to say so, you'll be waiting forever because they probably don't even know when it's supposed to happen. You mm-hmm. know, they they know a lot, but they're not. They don't know everything. Yeah, they know a lot because based off their own experiences, but from their own generation. But it's like we live in our own and we learn lessons from ours as well. Mm-hmm. But there are common themes that I feel like our parents do try to tell us, but they don't always know how to communicate it in the best way. Yeah. And it's like, I get where you're coming from. Right. Like, but <laughs> I, I don't, I can't imagine how many things my mom has just been like, I wish you could see the end of this mm-hmm. and realize that this is so stupid. <laughs> like, like I, I love know. you, but I already know how this is going to go. And I've, gonna be. <laughs> I've had moments like that with my parents too, because like my mom, loving, I love her, mm-hmm. but sometimes she'll say things and I'm like, no, mom, it's fine. It's fine. And then I'm like, okay, you were right. You were right. You were right. Yeah. Okay. And then I end up learning a little bit more about her and I learned a lot more about myself too because yeah. the situations we put ourselves in they will always come back around in different forms and mm. based on how much we've grown is how we deal with it and how yeah. we like approach it I completely agree um I 
I feel like I would have more of that with my mom. Well, we do. It's just that she also was raised in a whole different culture and right. background. Culture so. does play a huge part in the whole idea of listening to your parents and seeing their point of view. Right. Because some people in different cultures, like family, like a lot of cultures, aside from American culture, which is very individualistic, other cultures are more collectivistic. Like they care about the group rather than the individual first. So mm. if you do something and you're so, like your community is so tight knit, mm -hmm. you can't imagine thinking of yourself. You're thinking of everybody else. You don't want to disappoint other people. You right. want to make sure you're helping everybody before you help yourself. Right. And that can be very hard. Like, Especially because it's, it's not like a crabs in a bucket situation. It, it kind of puts you in a situation where you feel like you need to take care of everybody. Mm -hmm. And so they want, and they know that too. So they want you to be successful so you can either take care of yourself and then pass that on to the family. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be able to share the wealth, which I completely, I like the idea of it, but it can really hold some kids back. Yeah. It can put like first kids in a foreign, first kids in a foreign family. I salute to us. Like mm -hmm. we are the guinea pigs. We are the yeah. I mean, you already you know too. Yeah, but like, of course. You know, the first kid has to set the example, the tone. Exactly. You know, and it's just it's a lot of pressure. I spent and, a lot of my life doing it. Yeah, I mean, when you're the firstborn, your parents like they're new parents, of course. So they mm -hmm. just want to pour into that child and make sure that, oh, like I'm I'm putting everything I know into this kid and I'm, they're going to, like you said, we're setting the tone. Like right. we represent our parents until they come out with two, three, four children later. <laughs> yeah. And then and then for some reason they don't care anymore. Yeah, like, okay. There's like, ah, you know, we have the firstborn. It's yeah. fine. We're good. <laughs> we're the okay. fine. Yeah. And even meeting up to that expectation and then having to be an example for your siblings and everything like that. It's really, it's really rough. It is really, you know, it's really rough because especially, especially when you have to figure it out on your own. Yes. And then your parents don't understand that you're figuring it out on your own. Yeah. And you're like stuck to, I don't know, I guess like, how do I word this? Take your time. Life is your own at that point. Like, yeah. even though you want your parents to help, your parents will help as much, your brothers and sisters, you know, they are around to like help soften the blow. But there is a certain responsibility and, I guess, like, pressure for the first kid that literally nobody else in the family no understands. No one understands. <laughs> like, nobody else can get to. Like, I have to be third parent and at the same time, like, mediate between my siblings and my parents. Yes. And, like, you, like just be, you play a variety of different roles. You can also be – you end up also being mini parents to your parents. And you also yeah. become – like their therapist, their therapist, <laughs> and everything. Like I know, I've been in situations like that, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just that you know, when you are the firstborn, there are other little responsibilities you take that you didn't sign up for, mm -hmm. and it's not that you even assumed that it would happen, but you just fit that role. Yeah. And as an adult, because you've had to be independent. Like, firstborns are known to naturally be independent people. And they have a really hey. hard time depending on anybody because they never had to depend on anyone. Exactly. It's like, my brother, if he needs something, he can call me before he calls my mom or be before he calls my dad. Right. And it's because I hold, like, he knows that he can come to me. I'm like his 
other parent, I suppose. Basically. But basically. then when I need help, it took me a really long time to think about who to call. And it becomes <laughs> so difficult, you know, as an adult, making friends and being with people that can share similar experiences to you mm-hmm. and talk to you in a way that just makes sense. Right. Where it's not pressuring. And relationships, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to break relationships into the family or, like, whenever your kids start dating. It's normally the first kid who starts dating. Yeah. But, like. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is a whole other can of worms, man. Like, it is. Oh, my God. I, I remember telling my mom that I had my first boyfriend. I was like, yeah, I have a boyfriend. Like, she already gave me the look. Ooh. But then I told her, yeah, he's miles away. Then gave me even more concerning look. Like, are you dating some random dude from the internet? No. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes. Aren't you proud of your first born? <laughs> I trust him, mom. I love him. He's so good to <laughs> me. Oh, my gosh. And she just gave me this look like, okay. <laughs> okay, queen. All right. That's nice to know. That's good to know. Thank you. But, I mean, but also, I mean, as a when you do get into relationships, knowing that you do have to introduce them to your parents at some point. I mean, the older you get, everybody, the more picky you're going to be with who you bring around your parents. I feel like everybody should be picky already. But yeah, no, like, don't just bring anybody around your mom, your grandma. Stop. I tell you what. So my first boyfriend, right? Or like, not my first boyfriend, but the first one I introduced to my parents, to both of them. Uh huh. My dad didn't even know I was dating at the time. This is freshman year of college. So this is like the really, this is the serious relationship, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they were just, first of all, they didn't like him. Off rip. Well, that was just that, you know. Fair. You know, that was my dad too. He was my dad. He didn't even talk to him. (gasps) Did not say a word to him. Wow. Yeah. And I know who your dad is. (laughs) Yeah. My dad is, my dad's pretty talkative, you know, he can but he's, he can be quiet. Like, he can be pretty quiet. But mm-hmm. he, just to be silent when someone's talking to you, he's never – I've never seen him do that. So Wow. I was like, he knew. Yeah, he, <laughs> he knew. knew. Parents know, guys. Yeah, but he also just did not know that I was dating. Yeah, he was probably very confused. Very shocked. Very shocked. But he's also like, I'm, that's not your boyfriend. That's just your friend. Oh, my God. My mom was like that for the longest time. <laughs> but I talked to someone. She's like, so how's your friend? I'm like, what? Who you mean my boyfriend? boyfriend? The guy I'm talking to? Uh, yeah, your friend. I'm like, mom. Okay. Okay. And then my mom was like, "Yeah, I mean, if there's no ring, then that's a friend." No. I'm like, um, we have to date first. She's like dating. Yeah, like they. My mom, like it's. I don't know. Parents believe you either you meet, get married, or, or that's that's it. Yeah, like, yeah. there's no other option. You just meet and get married, or you're you're a lonely maid. For the rest of your life. Oh, God. <laughs> we love lonely maids, don't we? <laughs> we love a good lonely maid. Oh, um, my God. So I – now, with being in the relationships that you've been in, how do you feel like that's contributed to your growth, like, as a woman, as a person, you know? Okay. <laughs> the audacity of my phone ringing. It's my mom. We love that. Convenient. All right. Um, Continue. So, the relationships I've been so me, I spent a lot of time trying to find, I think, love outside of 
I think love for men overall, or just finding that affection for men, because I didn't get it from my dad growing up. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've always had daddy issues, but I guess I didn't really see them as that because my dad was always there. Like, I knew he who he was. It wasn't like he lived somewhere else. He was always in the same house, mm-hmm. but he just we never talked. Right. I would never. We you know we never had conversation like that. Um, I remember there was like a good two years we didn't talk, and we lived in the same house. Wow. So imagine you know what that looked like, and I'm a teen. So I'm just like, you know, trying to, you know, trying to figure out like what this mm-hmm. is or why this is happening. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I don't need that. There are guys out here. You, wanna, mm-hmm. you know, like there's plenty of guys out here. I don't, right. need, I don't need him. So when I got to college and I had that autonomy, I mean, even in high school, I've always been like kind of boy crazy. Mm-hmm. But like in, high, in college, it really took off. So right. I didn't even like guys for themselves. I didn't really like guys for <laughs> their personalities. I was not paying attention to their personalities or what they could offer or what could they needed to bring. It mm-hmm. was just, it's just they were just men. They were just guys who liked me and they wanted to have sex or something. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and I always got into relationships. Yeah. So I was really quick to get into relationships and have that like, guy who was like obsessed with me and loved me and right like that and it just turned into like me really looking for my happiness in men right yeah and it was it's pretty it was pretty toxic <laughs> it was um <laughs> but it did teach me to it taught me a lot about it taught me a lot about like discernment mm-hmm. a like I needed to be more discerning about who I let in who I was going to share my energy with. Mm-hmm. And then also taught me a lot about people. <laughs> right. How, and how people act and how people, you know. Yeah, because not everybody likes you, will love you for you, exactly. and will not be there for your best interest either. Exactly. So it was a, a fight. A tough lesson to learn, everybody. It was a fight to, to figure that out, honestly, um, to say the least. And I was, um, I was stuck feeling very lonely for a long time because I felt like, wait, why would, why isn't he acting like this guy? Or like, mm-hmm. why is Nini obsessed with me like this guy was? Or right. how come I have nobody right now? Like, <laughs> it, it was just, you know, it just, I sensed a lot of my like worth around it. And um, I want to say 2018 is when I really like took it back for myself. So, mm-hmm. You know how we, you know, girls, they get like caught up with a guy and then they get their heart broken and they yeah. cry and stuff like that. I literally was like, I'm throwing that away. <laughs> throwing like, that away. I will not be a girl who cries over a guy. I will be the guy. I am the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so I mean, you flipped like the, I guess the, you you did the whole reversal. Yeah, the role reversal thing role or reversal. general reversal thing. So I was that guy, like, I was that girl who like, you know, what's up, player? You know, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, come over, you do your thing. All right, it's time for you to leave. Time for you, you know? to go. You know, it's like, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know where you have to go. Your Uber is outside. You know, I was, <laughs> I was that person, 2018 to 2019, and no, 2019 actually, um, 2019, I was, I wanted to throw it all away. Like, I wanted to start fresh. I wanted something healthy. At yeah. that point, I was like, I know that what I'm doing isn't healthy. I know that what I was experiencing and why wasn't healthy. I even tried to reverse the roles. Like, maybe I need to be the guy. And it wasn't working. And it was just, uh, So, honestly, I feel like with your experiences, like, you had to learn to detach from 
codependency as well as recognizing that it doesn't matter whether you reverse the roles, it's more about the energy that someone puts into you, the energy you put into yourself and the energy you're going to allow to be in your <laughs> life in the first place. Because I feel like, you know, as women, we're already conditioned to want to be in relation, like our parent, like our, our mothers tell us of the dream guy we're supposed to be with, feed us with all of these different like fantasies of what this guy is supposed to look like, act like. I mean, even the media does it. Mm -hmm. And there are all these expectations. It's not until we get older that we realize that just because someone may do those fairy tale things doesn't mean that they are the fairy tale person. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean like not everything that looks amazing is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to fit for you. And I mean, you have to, that's when you have to take that time to understand how you want to be loved and to understand that you have to learn how you even love yourself in the first place and how you heal from all of these different wounds. Cause you saying that your dad was there, you know, but he was still absent and like, he, he didn't give you that love and affection. It's like, yes, it, the reality is you do try to find it in other people. You do try to figure out ways that you can receive something you've never had. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you get a little older that you realize, well, I didn't have to find it in anybody. Like it was with me all along, which sounds very cliche. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like you will is. end up attracting how you treat yourself. Like, oh, and such a hard lesson to learn. But yeah. you, but we, as people, we gravitate towards what we are comfortable with and what we feel like is best for us in the moment. Because we don't want to venture out and imagine what it would be like. Mm-hmm. to have whatever it is we think that we want. Mm-hmm. So we'll be like, oh, yeah, I totally want this. And you get in that relationship, you become conditioned to how that person treats you. And it's not until you get out of it that you're like, you know what? No, I don't want that. I don't want that treatment. Like, right. I don't want to be treated that way. I don't want to be loved that way. Basically. So, yeah, no. That's... Kudos to you. <laughs> like, thanks. it's hard to go through that process. I mean, when I went through that process, it was just difficult because – yeah. My man. oh my gosh. I love hard and you know that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Stupidly hard. <laughs> and it's not a bad it, for the longest time I saw it as a weakness. And sometimes I still think it is. <laughs> but you know, it's actually not. I mean, I just love a certain way and I can't the reason why I get taken advantage of in situations is because I've allowed that person to I've allowed them to have access to parts of me that they didn't deserve yet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wanted to be, I had signs of codependency too, where it's like, I want someone to love me because I love them so much and I want to receive the same type of love. Right. In reality, you might not get that because that person doesn't love that way or they haven't learned their lessons yet. Yeah. And or that, they, that's not how they show affection. Mm-hmm. You know? And also learning love languages. Yes. Something I emphasize on my <laughs> podcast to so all of you. Yes. Learn your love languages. Okay. Learn it, y'all. I have no idea how how to stress <laughs> learning love languages and how important it is. It's so important. It is. I don't know where I'd be at if I didn't learn how to just realize that people are not you. Mm-hmm. People weren't, not more than, not, it was more than just being raised than you. Yeah. Because people can be raised in the same environment and still think differently. Yeah. It's just personality. It's really just people. People just don't receive love the same ways that we do. 
mm-hmm. and some people don't um, accept love the same ways that we do. I did not know, right, that I could find a guy that didn't, you know, have all the toxic. I mean, not the basic toxic things like cheating, lying, stealing, but mm-hmm. like would actually want to talk to me right. on a daily basis. Or like, I didn't think that that's because I was not. I'm not used to men wanting to like talk to me all of like all the time. Yeah. Know? And it, it's just like, so I've, I've found a lot of like, of my love language in isolation. Right. So I'm like, if you don't find, if you don't give me space, you don't love me. Or right. Like, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't back off me or if you are like, if you're smothering me, then you're trying to take control of me. And it's, right. You know? And then some people are like, I need to, I need clinginess. I need the smothering. <laughs> I need all of that. You. Amia, <laughs> she called me out. Okay. <laughs> like calling me out on my own podcast. I love it though. That's how we are. This is our relationship. No, really. Man, if y'all can see us in real life. In real life. <sighs> it's I'm trying true, to be like though. cute and like cordial on your point. No. <laughs> it's true though. I am somebody that, if you start pulling away, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to think you don't love me. Like, I'm going <laughs> to think you don't care. Like, you just want, you're just, like, being, like, you're, t- because I heavily stress on honesty and being blunt. Like, just be blunt with me. Tell me if you don't like me. <laughs> because I know I like you. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's that's one thing I will say about you. At least you want, you can handle the I can the handle the heat. I yeah. can. I might cry later, but that's fine. <laughs> it's just emotional release. It's not like, oh my God, he hurt my feelings. Just more like, okay, I get what he's saying. He said it in the right way possible. And I think it's just me. I had to recognize why I was being clingy in the first place. Cause I was thinking, okay, my love language is physical touch. Fair, cool. But I can't, but I like my space too. And I have to respect when other people like their space as well and not jump the gun and think that they actually don't like me and they think that I'm, <laughs> not you know they just want to break up with me or something and i think it's just because of relationship ptsd when you've been yeah. in relationships or you've been in situations where someone has treated you that way your mind will only be conditioned to what it's experienced it has this file right. cabinet full of your experiences how you reacted and how you don't want to react in the future how you do want to react mm-hmm. so if you've experienced times where someone did abandon you and you didn't think anything of their space and you allowed it to happen and they ended up leaving you. Then you start going on the cycle of questioning yourself and going in the sense of self-doubt. And then your brain's thinking, okay, so when someone does this, it means this. Therefore, we're not going to put ourselves in that situation again. Yeah. And I mean, that's the – I mean, for any of you guys that don't know, PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And PTSD can it's not just, you know, a condition. It's not something that just happens when – you go through something drastic, like extremely drastic. It's something where your brain has paired a situation with something that is deemed to be traumatic to you and stressful to you to the point where it will replay or avoid replaying situations or being in like experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't have to be in the war to yeah. have PTSD. <laughs> yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to be in the military, but though they are common. It is very common. Of it. But, um, yeah, no, it, it can be something as simple as just I was in a bad relationship and had PTSD, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, that's not simple. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of trauma that happened there, but that can carry over. That could be mild PTSD, you know? But I'm not – I didn't study any of this. So I can't really say that, you know, that's what it is. But um, I do – I've seen people who, like, who have been beaten in relationships. Or right. Or about DV 
domestic violence and stuff. And um, now when they're in their new relationship, it could be 10 years later since that, you know, so much time has passed. I think they're over it. But, you know, their partner raises their hand in a certain way. And, and they, they flinch. And or they, they flinch. Or they yeah. do something. And it is very common for people that are that have been in domestic violent relationships or sexual abusive relationships where they and people just think, oh, they just have trust issues. Like trust issues stem and are rooted based off of very traumatic experiences. And they're not something that should be joked about. Because when you start trying to open up to your partner and you even start trying to open up to yourself and unlock all these reasons why you are the way that you are, it becomes triggering in itself to try to discuss something without feeling like the other person is going to look at you in a different way or you're going to look at yourself differently as well. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's the fear of being looked at different Mm -hmm. that really doesn't normalize talking about stuff like this because you don't want people to, oh, she's got problems. She's going to bring this into my life or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, this is like, you. people see it more as a burden than something that needs attention, something that needs to be looked at, something that everybody goes through. I don't care who you are. You've had something happen mm-hmm. to you that's affected your mental health. You can't act like it's just a one person deal or like you have to be genetically born with something like, oh, depression runs in our family. No. Nah. 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 These things can come about just from living. Yeah. And life is not always, you know, like we become victims in situations that we didn't put ourselves through, like we didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. you know go to god and say hey we would like a dosage of a pain of pain and, and suffering trauma. and trauma no one does that and i think people think of trauma very in a linear way mm. when the things in our healing is very complex. up and down complex yeah. and it takes time and do you feel like based do you did you find like certain patterns in your own behavior that you were exhibiting in your new relationship. Yeah, yeah. My anger mm-hmm. is one huge thing that I need to work on. Um, I found myself very comfortable with being angry at men. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've found a way to blame men for almost every bad thing. Cause not every bad thing, but like if I ever felt inadequate or just like not enough, or if I felt like he wasn't understanding me, mm-hmm then I have the tendency to just blow up. Right. Just blow. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't often. It's not like it's a it's a super bad issue or anything. Right. But like I know that I can just snap sometimes. And it was it was just kind of unpredictable mm-hmm. at one point because I didn't know how to handle like all this anger I felt towards men. And it was just like ugh. This man doesn't understand that your whole kind has pissed me off. <laughs> it's not just you. It's it's everybody. It's everybody it, plus you. Plus you. You know, like it's it was it's your be- than, it's a behavior. Yeah, it was a behavior for me, and I didn't know. I've never learned how to deal, deal with the anger because the way how um, I saw it growing up, my dad would just kind of make my mom mad, and my mom would go off. Mm-hmm. Like it was just it was just super normal in our house. She would just yell you know, get all the cuss words out, really demean him. Mm-hmm. And he would just be quiet. Like, that was a very quiet person. Right. So it was just a lot. Like, I was like, okay, well, that's what I can, that's what I have to exhibit in my Yeah, you learn, 
like, behavior. That's yeah, how we know, are. Men are dumb, and then you just have to yell at them. Like that's <laughs> yeah, I, that's literally what I learned. Right. And I, and then the anger I felt from my first relationship in college, and it was just a lot of pent up anger I just didn't know how to deal with, and I take it out with argument and small things, things that don't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just took you some time. I mean, it's good that you recognize it. I mean, we had talked about it, but, mm-hmm. you know, for all of you out there, if there are patterns or things that you feel like you are exhibiting in any relationship, like any relationship at all, don't be afraid to question that and to put it on the stand and say why – are we acting this way? Is it something that I want to continue or get rid of? Is it helping me or healing me? And I think that's like a very important aspect of getting to know yourself because the anger and the things that you do towards other people, you're also doing it to you too, especially. And it it comes in many different forms. Like you could feel like, I'm going to use your example, like, you know, how of your behavior, like Mm -hmm. getting angry. You can get angry at yourself when you don't do something right and you end up calling yourself different things or like yeah. harming yourself in certain ways where you're causing your own self appreciation to depreciate yeah and your confidence to be non-existent and all of these different things that you just haven't recognized and it's not until someone has to tell you or a situation happens where you say you know what this isn't working for me yeah and I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I, again, I devalue a lot of things I do because I was always told, you know, that it doesn't matter, da, da, da. like it was just, it wasn't anything that like made any sense. And then now that I think about it, I think a lot of that came from how I talked to myself mm-hmm. because I was always, I'm telling you, I beat people to the punch. Like yeah. I'm that kind of person. I have to beat them to the punch. If you're going to talk about me, well... I already talked about that, you know, like, yeah, you know, like what, and what, what's next? You know, like I was just that type of person. Let me just beat myself to the punch and, you know, kind of devalue my work, myself, my ethic and things like that. And it really did affect how I, A, talk to other people and how I talk to myself. Right. So I feel that. Is there any advice you would like to give to my lovely listeners out there? Anything at all? Some little last Some wisdom. Last yes. Um, listen to Queen. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about, man. And this is not from like a from a best friend's point of view because I am speaking from that point of view. I am biased. But um, <laughs> honestly, you have taught me so much about maturity and about addressing the problem the right way and being aware of things that. I, you know, you knew my background, you knew how I saw things, you know, how I saw mental health and you made it, you made it seem like it was, you know, you didn't make it seem, you made it known that it was important. And you, I, I would say, A, listen to Queen and B, don't be afraid, y'all, don't be afraid. Life could throw a lot worse. And I always, I'm trying to keep it on that level because I don't want to devalue the things that you're going through because they all matter, address it. But also remember that this is not a dead end. And I had to learn that dead ends don't exist until you die. That is a dead end. It's death. That is a real dead end. (laughs) 
Oh my god. K K y'all, but listen to Queen. Oh, that's my advice. <laughs> well, I appreciate you for being on my episode. I love you so Thank much, you. and like we've been friends for like four, five years now. Like Ooh, we it's know been it's been forever. It's been forever, <laughs> and. Thank you so much. I love you. I will put everything uh, in the description box so y'all can follow her, follow her business. I'm a Planet Jade Nails. She will travel wherever you are, Antarctica, Ireland, <laughs> Russia. <laughs> follow Planet Jade on Instagram. Um, we do nails. We do nails. <laughs> in the best way. Thank you again for coming. I love you. And for all of you guys out there, I love you as well. Bye. All right, everyone, that is the end of this week's episode. I hope all of you guys enjoyed it. It was truly amazing to have my best friend on and share her experiences with all of you because the more that her and I meet and collaborate with each other and learn more about each other and be very vulnerable, that's how we build our friendship to be even stronger and that's how we are able to grow as people and help each other grow in the process because we have known each other for a very long time and it's hard sometimes to find genuine people to be in your life that are in your circle that are rooting for you and I am more than grateful to not just have Cassie but to have a lot of amazing people in my circle that support and love me for me so thank you again Cassie for coming on I hope all of you guys enjoyed her and hearing us just make little jokes and laugh and hopefully put a smile on your face so i want to end this week's episode with some positive affirmations for you guys my strength is greater than any struggle i am in awe of what i am capable of I was not made to give up. I do not fear the fire because I am the fire. Thank you so much, guys, and I will see you next week.